everyone, you're listening to the Attitude Era Podcast, episode number seven. And we're looking at, what is it, Breakdown? Breakdown 98. Or as Billy said earlier, Brookside. Brookside. <laughs> easy mistake to make. Easy mistake to make. Very easy mistake to make this as well as by the Triple H's on the cover. It's called Breakdown, and like it's all like him pointing his dick on the cover. Not even on the show. No, Wait, waste no of appearance. Time. Yeah, well, uh, I'm Kevin Mahan, and joined alongside, as always, by my cohorts and colleagues in this review of the Attitude Era, First of all, uh, Adam Bibolo, good morning to you, sir. Ahoy there, Kevin. And uh, and the man to my right, who is unquestionably the baddest man, the baddest man, the baddest man on the planet, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello. How's things? I'm not bad. <laughs> Do you like how I said hello, though? Hello. <laughs> hello. Uh, your yeah. leg is well and truly healed now, is it not? Yeah, it is. just got a bit of a scar. It's still a bit of swelling, but I can walk without a limp, so I take that as a win. It's pretty much the end of that story arc then, really, isn't it? Yeah. Limping yeah. ain't easy, like, you know? Uh, well, we're going to sit back now and get ready, because it's time to review Breakdown 98. Recently, I announced a master plan. I'm damn sick and tired. Sick and tired. Sick and tired. Damn Championship. Ask not what your country can do for you. You won't do business. You refuse to do business. Ask what you can do for your country. You won't do things the easy way. You gotta do things the hard way. I have a master, a master, a master plan, Undertaker and Kane. You are the single most destructive force in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. The only thing we have to fear is the master plan. I will never forgive or forget. I'm damn sick and tired. I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired. I'm watching you walk around. Vince McMahon didn't screw Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold screwed Stone Cold. Break it down. Uh, we're back. Breakdown 98 coming to you live from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I could be wrong. I do believe this is the first... Canadian pay-per-view series. I think you're correct. I I think so. Yes. Yes. Uh, We will come to grips with the Canadian fans as this episode progresses. Had a nice little video there detailing the master plan from Vince McMahon. I love that promo because they're doing it again. That that thing they always do with Vince McMahon where they repeat it. Yeah. I'm sick and tired. Sick and tired. Sick and tired. Sick and tired. This is my arena. (laughs) My arena. My arena. The baddest man. Vince McMahon, he has got a very good voice for repeating stuff. Big time, yeah. Big time. Also, as well, we got nice footage again of the uh, Stalinistic imagery as it's like Vince McMahon, like, you know, giving Austin the finger and then, like, loads of Soviet tanks. (laughs) One and the same. It's an allegory, isn't it? Yeah, basically. The master plan, um, it's not really a master plan, though, is it? In fairness, was it his master plan to have six unsuccessful attempts to take the belt off Steve Austin? Well, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. doesn't it? Was it a master plan for him to not know what side Undertaker and Kane were on until this <laughs> pay-per-view, where they're finally, no questions asked, are apparently definitely on the same page? We sure about that this time? Um, we promise? Definitely. Yeah? 100%. Yeah, ho- hopefully. It is the master we'll plan. We'll see. 
and as you can see from this video package, what has been happening is that Undertaker and Kane, since uh, SummerSlam, despite the fact that the Undertaker seems to like take his loss at SummerSlam very well and was all like respectful about it, uh, Undertaker and Kane, the next few weeks on Raw, were just beating the shit out of everyone. Yeah, I thought he was a concrete face after SummerSlam. He no, and it was kind of strange. We have, um, we have a bee in a bonnet about something. And what? I think it's Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Your suspicions may be correct. <laughs> They're doing horrible things such as ruining amazing matches with jobbers like the DOA and giving everyone spike tombstone pile drivers. And the highlight of all this is that Vince McMahon has been basically throwing gasoline on the fire and one week in an attempt to anger Undertaker and Kane so much that they would have no choice but to kill Steve Austin, he called them both putrid pussies. <laughs> Well, if that doesn't piss you off, so uh, nice, work. nice imagery for you there. A putrid pussy. Now, I mean, I'm going to say it right now, but I don't think we will get more disgusting imagery in terms of one insult for the rest of this entire series. Putrid uh, pussy. Yeah, I think you're Ew. right on that one. Yeah, that's that, pretty damn. Disgusting. And for Vince McMahon to say as well, where he's like, "Putrid pussy." Ah, uh, oh, it's fucking. Fa don't turn uh, off now. It'll get. Less please keep listening. Please keep listening. I liked as well this. They ended it on the classic line, Stone Cold screwed Stone Cold, which is playing off. There's only so many times Vince could use that quote, really. You know? oh, don't he worry. loves that quote. Don't worry, it's not just Vince that loves that quote, because I, I think Jerry Lawler at least says it about four times throughout the pay-per-view. Good man. Yeah, no, we, just repeating what, what Vince wants him to say. We cut to ringside with Jim Ross and the aforementioned Jerry the King Lawler as they run down the card and explain the very silly rules for the triple threat. Uh, I had a very hard time keeping Keeping up with this. Then a triple threat matchup for the WWF title. Stone Cold, The Undertaker, and Kane in one ring at one time for the gold. That's right, JR. It's going to be huge. And remember this Stone Cold has to either pin The Undertaker or Kane. Now, The Undertaker cannot pin Kane. Kane cannot pin The Undertaker. So they have to pin Stone Cold. But that's not the only interesting little twist. Now, Vince McMahon has added a new twist. He has said that if there is any outside interference from any of Stone Cold's friends, if he's got any foggy friends that want to jump, Stone Cold will be stripped of the title. The match will be stopped. Apparently in the main event triple threat match, Austin can't... Austin has to pin Undertaker or Kane. Yeah. But yeah. Kane can't pin Undertaker and Undertaker can't pin Kane. They can only pin Austin. And if any ally of Austin comes out to help him, Austin will have the belt stripped from him. Yeah. So they have very much stacked the deck. Just while we're on this right now, me and Billy were discussing this earlier. When they say any ally of Austin. Yes. What allies? Yeah. What had happened was because Undertaker and Kane had been running roughshod like this, uh, The Rock and Mankind had actually, The Rock who has turned face now, we should mention, uh, we'll go into that in a bit, but uh, the two of them had been kind of running in on some of Undertaker and Kane's matches, kind of stopping them from you know like right, all okay. that and Vince was worried that they you know the three of them were going to team right. up which is why we have the other triple threat match coming up later for the number one contendership Vince McMahon playing kind of a yeah. an elaborate it's very confusing I'm not going to lie you'd to think yeah. they'd mention that on the paper yeah I shouldn't have to get you to explain it to me really yeah it's like it's one of these things it's like I think to get to the point with the drama that they want to there's all this kind of like how, but how do you explain this and how do you explain this it's just they kind of try and hastily loosen up not all enough it. time yeah but again when you've got like you know Austin and Undertaker and Kane and McMahon running all over Raw you don't really pay much attention to the close details of the matter I suppose yeah I believe it was actually PileDriverWrestling.net was a site that actually tried to put up like a big long explanation explaining everyone's intricacies at the moment is like trying to pour smoke through a keyhole as Jim Ross would say <laughs> so so um, we cut to it's ringside. It's Edge 
taking on own heart so we've got kind of a canadian theme to start things off this is edge's first singles match on the uh, podcast so it is yeah you're right uh, edge comes through the crowd and uh, i noticed that coming through the crowd for edge is a bit of a struggle because it's like a million people trying to pull out his coat and long hair yeah what do you expect when you go through the crowd really you know yeah. you're gonna get people touching you i couldn't understand own came out and he was wearing like a seriously plain football he's, he's, jersey. He was wearing the Toronto Argonauts jersey. Billy, you have a uh, history with American football. Well, this would be Canadian football. It's not the same. It's not. It's not. It's not the same. It's different leagues. Is made with Canadian bacon. The ball is it? More or less, yeah. <laughs> so it was him coming out. I couldn't figure out if Owen was coming out sucking up to people dressed up like this, or if Owen was coming out like this to uh, antagonise the fans. I, I think it was to antagonise. I'm not great with geography. Yeah, it was Ontario strange. and Toronto are not the same place. They're not. But I so I think it was uh, Hart being uh, antagonistic towards the. Yeah, because the chat. Oh, it was funny because they're both hometown boys. They're both like you know Canadians or whatever. Uh, but then Owen actually gets nugget chance straight away yeah, from the crowd. That, that was something that we wanted to ask you. Why? Right, this is something we must have missed something. We don't know why they chant Nugget. I don't know why. I don't know. We it's were just hoping. A, we, we were hoping you, you would know. It's like I think the whole thing is just like literally. What if you're a good enough heel wrestler and the crowd just uses any old word, then it's it's like when they call Shane a pussy in like you know 2000, and it just like it's stuck. But, Pussy's an insult, though. But Nugget, Nugget, yeah. I could be wrong. I think the first time I remember hearing it was um, was Jason Sensation. That's what I thought as well. I thought it was Jason Sensation. I, he, just, I could be wrong, though. something up. I, it's funny, though, because like, Owen's like, really serious. He's meant to be like a big toughie and a big meanie, and he's getting Nugget, which is the silliest word just chanted at him. Well, I know Jason does follow us on Twitter. If he's listening, maybe send us an email, <laughs> explain what the fuck Nugget means. Maybe send us an email, you know, a couple of autographs, you know, per- <laughs> personalised, um, you know, video message. Come, come, come visit. Come visit, please. First of all, I have to say, I fucking love this match. Really amazing technical display early yeah. on. Loads of mat wrestling, reversals. Crowd love both men, but Owen is playing up to being a heel, and the crowd is like it's cool. The Canadian crowd. We'll, we'll get into it more later, I suppose. They are they are very weird tonight as a whole. You know, Jerry Lawler says Bizarro World describes the Canadian crowd, but they let the heels be heels because when you've got like you know like everyone like bad guy CM Punk shows up in Chicago, he's and like you can't cheering him. Yeah, there. but they let. Own be a heel here, which I have yeah. to say is yeah. pretty, uh, it's respectful, pretty nice. Funny. There's a couple of moments in, in this uh, match where Edge uh, looks remarkably like Roman Reigns. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, but he's right on this one. How so? His eyes. I, I there's think his, it's eyes, all the eyes. his eyes. There's a couple of the camera shots where he just he's staring, very, looking very angry. And I just instantly said, Roman Reigns. Then at one point, he does a powerbomb and goes, Does me a Roman Reigns remind anyone else of Mantor, like, you know, <laughs> big moo moo man. So we get a pretty cool sequence here where Edge goes for a Hurricanrana. It's like a reversal from a powerbomb. And then he goes to, Owen goes to the outside. He goes to dive, but then it like runs straight back. It's like a fake dive. Yeah. He, f- he fakes out Owen Hart. But then Owen catches yeah. him with a big power slam on the outside, which was... Bloody. I thought it was a botch at first. It does when I seem. It, yeah. I was like, I, I asked Adam to rewind it when we were watching it because I thought it was a botch. But no, no, it, it, it was a uh, very well done. Yeah, it's like a lucha libre thing. They do loads in Japan as well. The kind of the fake dive to like yeah. scare your opponent. They kind of go oh, and they flinch, and then you do like a baseball slide or whatever. But uh, from this on, basically uh, takes control, and the announcers now start talking about someone who will be debuting on the podcast later on, which is Gangrel, who is apparently got some sort of mysterious relationship with Edge. What did you think of the mysterious relationship could possibly be? 
I only very, very, very vaguely know of the brood. Like, sorry, very hazy memories in the back of my mind. They would mind. have just been finishing up when you started watching. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So to me, this is all relatively fresh ground. I know that something is going on, but I can't tell you exactly what is happening. Yeah. The writers probably don't know much either, to be honest. Most no, I, 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 I wouldn't think they would. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do you suspect is going on? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to tell. In the world of wrestling, it could be anything from they are brothers to, you know... Gangrel was Edge's father's dentist's son, and there was ah yeah the WrestleMania there. Nine story. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we get a, a really cool spot here that I love for uh, for those history buffs out there. Owen does a victory roll off the top rope onto Edge, which is like, and he does it, and then like he, uh, Edge kicks out it too, and Owen's super surprised. That is the move he used to beat his brother Bret Hart at WrestleMania Ten, which is the one time Owen actually beat Bret. I did not know that. And I thought it was really cool because it's just like it's a really awesome move. You know, big victory roll from yeah. the top. Yeah. But we get uh, one of my favorite moves ever from uh, wrestling games. I used to have this as one of my guys' finishers on WrestleMania 2000 and the N64. The electric chair drop, where Edge picks Owen up on his shoulders and then slams him face first on the Devastating move. move. Yeah. It looks so hard. I love when you've got like a guy like Edge debut and he's like kind of yeah fresh faced youngster and he's like electric chair drop is my finisher and I'm like yeah you won't be going very far no, you'll do that three <laughs> times in your career yeah I imagine Steve Austin will be queuing up to take a fucking electric chair <laughs> drop lads like um, so it is interesting I note here Edge has basically even though his character has changed a lot but in terms of his look he looks almost identical. You know, I was literally about to say, the biggest thing I noticed here, because this is only our second Edge match, yes. correct? Um, he's, like, really, really good, considering he should yeah. be green like yeah. at this point. He's doing really fucking well, and he sort of shows almost the polish that he would have for the rest of his career already at this point. Yeah, really I suppose impressive. it helps that he's in there with Owen Hart, who can, like, bring yeah, out the best. Like, I think Edge's only problem at this point was that, you know, some of his moveset was a bit fucking risque, like, with the senton dives and his yeah. electric chin and back job. on them eventually, I guess. Yeah, eventually. But uh, <laughs> a really amazing moment in the match. This is one thing I love. Uh, Edge goes to the top row for a little bit of a dive. He lands on his feet and Owen, like, rolls out of the way and Owen thinks he's, like, completely dodged him and Edge has, like, killed himself. And Owen just stands up and goes, Woo! <laughs> and then immediately gets clocked by Edge. Uh, I do love that. On commentary, Jerry Lawler starts talking about Jim Carrey. Did you guys hear this? No, I did, I did not, not catch that, no. Is very, this very... Man on the Moon is this a reference to? Yes. Uh, we mentioned previously that they, they had taken like one or two weeks off commentary to film uh, Man on the Moon, which is a fucking amazing movie. And if you've not seen it, Go and see it, if only to see Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler in it. But basically, apparently there was problems on set between uh, Jim Carrey and everyone. But apparently, Lawler and Carrey had particularly bad problems with each other because Carrey was pretending, basically, he was in character all the time, so to speak. Right. But apparently, like, most people were kind of just like, oh yeah, he's in character, that's his thing. But Jerry, because he knew Coffin quite well, was kind of like, oh, you're not really, actually, you know. And apparently, there was some heated words so to speak and you know you'll get thrown off the movie blah 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 all this kind of shit being talked and it was interesting because Jerry, Jerry Lawler like he'd obviously made some tabloids or whatever with this and he brings it up and JR's like were well, you going to say something and Jerry's like oh, I'm going to say Jim Ross is I'm going to bide my time and I'm going to you know make a big announcement tomorrow night Monday Night Raw to talk about this and the next night in Raw he's like I'm going to bide my time to <laughs> like, I am going to wait until Jim Carrey shows up on Raw and say it to his face. So never, basically. To yeah. this day, he says that on every Monday Night Raw. Just <laughs> delaying it week oh, yeah. by week. It's like the episode of Futurama where like the dog is waiting. <laughs> Still waiting for Jim Carrey to show up. 
sweet boy. Jerry Lawler turned to stone. Terrifying image. Owen goes for the sharpshooter after a really cool reversal, but he gets reversed again into a small package. Really amazing flows of moves here. I usually don't go into this much detail about matches, but like it's the with a match that, like this, you can. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's really amazing. What happens then in the end is that the one and only Kristen makes it. <laughs> Kristen. Kristen. Is what Teddy Long called him? Was it Kristen? <laughs> Kristen appears and uh, he just literally just stands on the rampway and like it's the first time he's made any sort of appearance and everyone's just like, who in the blue hell is this? blonde haired bow Edge acts like he's seen a ghost and he gets rolled up quickly by Owen so Owen wins one two three but obviously the real story then is, is like who is this man yeah Edge is like he's got his fair share of mystery isn't he who is Edge who's his relationship with Gangrel and now who's this other third blonde what is fellow? going on it is very, I, very I've got to admit though this is one of the few things in wrestling that you know you can't tell what's going on but it doesn't actually seem stupid to me it's more intriguing yeah no it's else. actually yeah. genuine intrigue. it's very rare I get genuine intrigue from something like this in for wrestling. this far down the card as well because he is yeah. like literally just you know kind of uh, and I think as well this might have been uh, Edge's first pinfall loss on TV I could be wrong but because uh, he had been killing guys basically you know mm. so, so to speak but it's not a clean loss it's not a clean loss exactly it was really cool I love this match it was great you know this is how you open a pay-per-view at last yeah. they figured out yes how Finally. to open a pay-per-view great opener so we get uh, another debut for a team here now we've got a Too Much who we saw King of the Ring mm-hmm. taking on The Job Squad Al Snow and Two Cold Scorpio and a managed to gain full-time employment with the WF finally by beating Sergeant Slaughter in Sergeant's speciality match which is a boot camp match what is that a boot camp match is where Sergeant Slaughter is all fat and like <laughs> <laughs> and he like rolls around the ring like a big <laughs> ball <laughs> and I'll I'll bet I'll bet Sergeant Slaughter in his own match and he did it wearing Zupas as well and I was fucking delighted to see that I think we all suspected that Al was obviously going to join eventually. Well, duh, yeah. yeah. But I was kind of disappointed that literally it was like we had King of the Ring and then like he kind of appeared on and off and then it just added, like there was no build it was just like oh yeah now he has a match. Lost his momentum a little bit I yeah. think. Yeah. It was kind of like they realised oh actually the head and shoulders gimmick wasn't <laughs> wasn't so funny that we should cut this man's career short. Yeah. <laughs> Too much as creepy as usual Billy. Yeah I can't stand these men. Well I said Scott Taylor I've got no particular issue with him. Scott Taylor uh, he's a good wrestler he's a good guy. It's my issue is, is purely with Brian Christopher. Ripper yeah. Roo from Crash Bandicoot always laughing his head off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it was uncanny how much he sounded like Ripper Roo. Um, he was properly fucking jazzed up tonight, oh, wasn't yeah. he? You yeah. can so tell. He is just blown up off his head on pills. And if anything, it's funny because it almost ruins the too much gimmick because they're meant to both be like 
creepy dudes together. But like Scott Taylor can't keep up with Christopher. Now, you know, here's the thing. I hated too much last time we saw them. Mm-hmm. But I actually didn't mind them so much this time. Because as, as deplorable and as horrible as Brian Christopher might be, this whole dynamic of Brian Christopher constantly cackling and then jumping up and down on the apron and Scott not being able to keep up with him, I actually kind of liked it and it made me hate them even more. They're, yeah. they're in a good way, though. Creepy heels. Good like. hate, yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got Jerry Lawler talking about how much he loves them on commentary and he's like, they're great, Jim Ross. I mean, look at them, they're great. And like as he's saying that... Uh, Brian Christopher goes into the corner stands up and is like Scott Taylor shoves his head up his arse yes and and Jerry just goes look at that (laughs) (laughs) he's got his head up his arse that is not like you know look at that look at that yeah the story here is that obviously Tuchel Scorpio and Al Snow have begun the seeds here of the job squad which is like you know they've had enough of you know being taken advantage of and always losing and they're kind of Buying together, uh, we got a nice uh, drop and uh, we got a nice reference. Sorry, from Jim Ross talking about how Al Snow and uh, Two Cold Scorpio were both in ECW together, and these were kind of part of an influx of ECW talent of the time, so to speak. Jerry Lawler though is very upset that Sergeant Slaughter lost his match to uh, to Al Snow and gave Al Snow employment. He said he compared to, to him losing a pile driver match. Because Sergeant Slaughter's speciality match was the boot camp match. Yeah. It was like Triple H losing a buried alive match. <laughs> I was also going to say, is like uh, Jerry Lawler losing a 15 year old girl on a pole match. No! We've not brought that up on the podcast before. We've not brought that up. That's a little dark. Wikipedia. It's yeah. <laughs> it's not even defamation. It happened. It's it reported. If you have nice nostalgic feelings about the Attitude Era and people like Jerry the King Lawler, for the love of God, do not go on Wikipedia and look up the sexual offence charges. <laughs> or just be like, you're watching, like, what oh, is it, Survivor Series 94? It's like, oh, Jerry Lawler's not on this show for no reason whatsoever. I wonder why. <laughs> Don't look into it. Don't look into it. You, you won't like what you find. <laughs> Scene missing. He's a naughty boy. <laughs> Billy! <laughs> go to the jail. <laughs> Anyway, I was gonna say the crowd are quite—they're uh, quite hot in this. I think it might might be now a time to discuss the crowd in general. I thought the crowd were awesome in this uh, whole pay per view. I thought they were really into it. They really like raised the game, so to speak, uh, of the wrestlers because they were just like really loud for everything that they did. Yeah. The, the, y- yes, the, but <laughs> there well, is a big but here. The issues with air horns and in particular. Um, Goddamn air um, horns! Laser pointers. L- laser pointers, particularly in the main event. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's. I mean, that obviously you're gonna get anywhere in the Attitude Era because it's just a general thing. But there's a, so much. It more happens. Of it. A, it happens a lot in this one. Yeah. Generally, as a whole, I agree with Kevin that the, the crowd's great and everything. But there is one match later which I don't agree with the crowd on. Right. And it's going back to what I said last time about there being an arena full of heels. And I <laughs> definitely, definitely think there is an arena full of heels for one match tonight. We'll get to it later. Cool. But I'm not happy. The action in the ring is, honestly, it is a bit of a clusterfuck. It's all over the place. There's, like, no tags being uh, being made. Guys just coming in and out whenever they, they want to, more or less. I get the feeling that Al and Scorpio laid this match out because this is very, like, an ECW-type match. And right. in ECW, the crowd is small and they don't care. But in this one, like, the referees is kind of like, what are you doing? Yeah. You, know, you can't pin him. You're not legal. And then he pins. It's really, really kind of a yeah, bit all over the place. Yeah, there's so much... 
Confusion. Confusion. You never know who quite is. Well, you can tell who the legal man is, but you. But I don't think the wrestlers know. Or the referee, right. for that or matter. The, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like in ECW, you could like it's kind of like you know Lucha Libre You can roll out, and then someone else can come in. It's not like that in WWF, and it kind of sucks a bit. There here. are rules here, yeah. Yeah, and we say rules, but Al like gets a chair quite early on, and he does a poetry emotion on Scott Taylor Love with the that. chair. Love, loved it. Love uh, that movie. Then Scorpio. Then fucked Scorpio. It up. Not so much. Yeah. Scorpio occurs what can be described as a running slip, <laughs> <laughs> setting the chair to the far corner as his head comes squarely in contact with the shins of Scott Taylor. As, as well, something I noted about uh, Scorpio's ring attire, he's wearing Sin Cara's pants. He is? Yeah. They're like glittery, like fancy chocolate. Blue and gold. Yeah. Yeah, they're, 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 quite, they're quite nice. Al cleans house with head. And again, no disqualification. Apparently, like that. head's exempt. Uh, JR said head is illegal in Canada, apparently. I see what you did there. Yeah. Clever. Very clever. So yeah, it's just that... Uh, I, tr- I, tried to can- I lost track of the ending sequence. We literally got, you know, someone would pin someone and then someone would dive off the top rope. Yeah, people They'd are flying pin- in from off screen, like, constantly. Yeah. It's just and like you madness. get referee Jack Donald's like, hey, hey, no, no, you can't do that. You're not legal. One, two. No, no, you can't do that. Like, what are you counting then? <laughs> get your shit together, referee. Al Snow knocks down Scorpio by mistake as well at one point. Yeah, he right actually hits, uh, hits uh, Scorpio with head. Yeah. And I think it's meant to be like, oh, Al's crazy and unhinged, but no one makes any mention of it. So yeah, it's kinda, like, it just looks sloppy. Yeah, and then at the end, Scorpio just kind of laughs it off. He just goes to him and says, "Hey, what are you doing that for?" In fairness, we're never going to talk about this again. Let's carry on. In fairness, like that is how a tie team splits up, right? Because you know, you, someone gets hit inadvertently, and then after the match, they put their hands on their hips, and shit goes down. <laughs> yeah, you don't laugh it off, Scorpio. No wonder you never made it out of the bottom of the card with this laissez-faire attitude towards storytelling. <laughs> Poor Scorpio. I'll snowplow Scott Taylor for the win. I fucking love the snowplow. It is an awesome move. Yes, looks like it kills a person and it's really safe it's literally the perfect finisher in my yeah. mind I like the match it was pretty good but it was just you know crazy decent strange ending yeah it was, the ending really confused me at first it was cool to see too much get another you know uh, outing so to speak I think they did have like potential you know but maybe it was just the fact that I mean the tag division is so fucking loaded at this point yeah there's no room for the, they're, they're two short guys with like obnoxious heel personas they were never going to like get tag belts in this you know climate I think new age outlaws on a different kind of drug <laughs> Jesus deviousness and we come backstage Michael Cole is with Undertaker and Kane and it's all shadowy well ladies and gentlemen our colleague Michael Cole is standing by with the demons of destruction the Undertaker and Kane Undertaker and Kane, the strategy seems simple enough. You'll head down to the ring as a unit and attempt to destroy Stone Cold Steve Austin taking his WWF championship in the process. The unknown factor is this. Which brother will take the fall and become WWF champion? Well, first, Michael Cole, not only is it none of your business, nor is it the business of anyone else. And secondly, my brother Kane and I, well, let's just say... We've come to an understanding. Well, Undertaker, with all due respect, what is there to understand? I mean, if Stone Cold Steve Austin is defeated, there can only be one WWF champion. Could we see brother versus brother? What you're going to see is the total annihilation of one Steve Austin. There's like they they put a lamp. Spooky. Yeah. Do you think they're like standing there and they go, Michael Cole, you put that lamp down there and make this appear <laughs> ominous. Taker is acting proper differently to SummerSlam. 
I mean, yeah. it's a drastic turn, isn't it? You guys haven't been watching the Raws. I've been watching the Raws. I mean, I suppose for you, it must seem like... I mean, the last time you saw him, he's like, I respect you, Steve Austin, patting the shoulder. And now he's like, I will destroy you. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah, well, you've watched Raws. Is there anything that's led to more of a natural progression than this? So what I think happened was, at the end of SummerSlam, with Undertaker, you know, patting Austin on the back, giving the belt and all that, I think that actually probably was just a shoot, kind of like, because, you know, that was a real proper passing of the torch. Yeah. Because, you know, one thing about Michaels or whatever, Austin never had his proper, you're the new generation kind yeah. of now. So I think maybe that was it. That was just non-kayfabe. Yeah, it was yeah. just like, you know, it was Madison Square Garden, it was the main event of SummerSlam, it was a big show. It was for the title. That would make sense. That yeah. makes sense. sense. Yeah, but yeah, it was. It's just a drastic shift in pace here. And I was going to talk about it later. But I might as well talk about it now. I'm kind of. I've had my fill almost of Austin's battles with the Undertaker and Kane. Yeah, yeah. And I think at at the last SummerSlam was a nice way to cap it all off because he had beaten Kane and he'd beaten the Undertaker and and without Paul Bearer, the two of them don't have the same. Oomph, not so by any stretch and I think them leaving out Paul Bearer well from a storyline point of view it's probably logical it really hurts it in a sense of that if you had like Bearer talking for these two guys and you didn't know what they were up to and Bearer was just kind of like you know Being the weird. mouthpiece yeah. I think that would have been awesome but yeah, it's that would have been cool. you know, Undertaker doesn't really work as a spokesman for the two of them no so definitely not I, I've never been a fan of Undertaker on the mic to be honest with you I don't think he's ever been incredible at it he's yeah. good but he's never been able to like you know raise electricity or anything mm, in the crowd mm. We have something that we've got, got a little bit of a point to make. Sorry, Billy, do you want to take this? Um, yeah, the we cut to an image of the of the crowd, and the crowd are swarming in like ants on a piece of candy. And you think <laughs> they're, something they're, amazing. They're running towards the ring. They're running. Like, a, something amazing is about to happen. And he's like, "What is happening? What is this?" Smart Mera. <laughs> fuck's sake! Literally, literally, we were like, what the fuck is going on? Because I've never seen that in wrestling before. Everyone running towards the ring. I know what they probably thought. Uh, maybe they thought Sable was coming uh, out. Oh, you dirty bastards. Like 70,000 fans with their dicks in their hands. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark Mero. It's actually his first singles match in the podcast, I think. Jesus Christ, you're right. What, well, apart from the match he had against Sable that time? Sorry, yes, yeah, that, that five-star that classic. Yeah, Melsa wrote very highly of it in the Observer. <laughs> so yeah, it's Mark Merrow coming out with Jacqueline. Jacqueline is now the women's champion, which has been reinstated, the belt. And yep. it's so important, she doesn't even bring it out with her. Fucking brilliant. I, I mean, the women's title, it's like, it was it was gone for many, many years, but they brought it back under the worst circumstances. She didn't I, even bring it out with her then. At what point during the Sable Jacqueline feud do they think, yes, let's restore prestige to the women's now division. Now is the time. Now is the time. I'm actually happy that they've, you know, changed it to the Divas Championship so they can get rid of this bit of the lineage. Well, at yeah. least in like a year's time or so on the podcast, we'll get people like Lita and Tristratus coming in. It'll be a bit more interesting than it, this garbage. It can't come soon enough, like. But yeah. anyway, Mark Merrow is taking on Draws. Draws who's sporting a new look. Something which irked me, though. Draws comes out. Howard Finkel calls him... Darren Drozdov. Yes. His nameplate says The Draws. The Draws. Because <laughs> I'm The Draws <laughs> and I'm awesome. Because I'm The Draws and I'm blue. <laughs> and he's also called Puke at one point. And then yeah. another point he was called The Puke. So the he's. Puke. Like an awful superhero. Draws, The Draws, Puke, The Puke, Darren Drozdov. Which one? Pick one. Uh, yeah, it's strange. Draws has got a bit of a new look. This is kind of the look that I would kind of most associate with him. I kind of find feel bad for Draws here because Draws is like in the same boat as Edge in that he's you know he's a young guy who's coming up. He's at the bottom of the card, but they're obviously trying to put him over and introduce him. Edge gets own heart and his storyline full of intrigue and mystery. 
Draws gets Mark Merrow and Jim Ross saying how he had a deer heart once. And don't forget, he was also working with Legion of Doom right before all this. Yeah. And let's not forget, he was the answer to a trivial pursuit question. Who at a deer heart that one time? Yeah. Draws name. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 what you can expect. Draws, I mean, Draws is like is, is is pretty awesome, but I mean, he's 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 the rookie here, and I mean, Mark Merrow is the the crafty veteran. Well, yeah. he's being handled really badly. They can't even get his name right anywhere. There's I know, no consistency. Yeah. It's kind of bad. Draws, he's he shows good fire, but he's. He's kind of sloppy, and there's zero heat for Mero. I mean, here's a guy, as I said, who's lost multiple times to a woman on TV. Like, and you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you know women and men, but I'm just saying that they have made him out like it is a bad thing. And not only that, but Sable is particularly shit, so it kind yeah. of you know it hurts even more. It hurts him a lot. It's like it's the match of a hundred thousand clotheslines. It's just really bad clotheslines. You know, the really awful one where like someone like they're kind of they're the outside of their elbow dings their shoulder, and they just kind of. Fall down like a house of Jenga. Yeah, you know, and it happens. So it's like no, it's really, yeah, really an awful. awful lot of air horns as well in this match. Well, they're bored, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, got something to do. Now here's all right. Now we got Mero actually finally, you know, in a singles match, and he's like dominating most of the match as well because he's you know the crafty veteran yeah. heel. He's meant to be kind of in control. Doesn't stop him from trying to leave almost straight away. <laughs> Yeah, he's a coward, but he's brave. You know, make, make, make up your mind. But no, he's got—he's very much got a boxer gimmick. He's got Everlast shorts. He's got boxing music. His Titantron is him doing the punching bags. He does body blows, blah, blah, blah. Why is he doing somersault planches and all this bullshit? You know, like a boxer would do. You know when you're playing Street Fighter, you're playing this Balrog, and you do the fucking moonsault off the top rope. I mean, yo, come on. Yo, if you've got a gimmick, do the gimmick. Okay, you're right on that, because it doesn't fit his gimmick at all. However, what I will say is the Marvelocity is possibly the only move I've ever seen Mark Miro do and make it look fucking good. He does it really well. So if From that's if he's such got a small space, exactly yeah, and if he's got yeah, one it's such move, a small space because he can't jump. <laughs> I know, but but it's, I think it's impressive being able to do it in such a self-contained space. I, I don't know. I mean, you guys are impressed with that. I looked at that and I I, I was on VLC, so I slowed it down because it looked like his knee went right in the side of Draws's head. Oh really? oh really? It looked really dodgy. Now I mean, there was no like kind of oh Draws got concussed, blah blah blah. There's none of that like story afterwards. But in terms of like. It just sheer safety. Most of Mero's offense, like whether it be you know the TKO we see him do before, it's always kind of like he he gives up when he's doing the move. <laughs> it's like it's TKO, eh. <laughs> you know. Um, well, all I'm saying is he's got clearly one move that he can do relatively well in his arsenal. It doesn't fit his gimmick, but he's damn well going to use it because he can do it. Mm. We get another point as well. Draws he does like a he tries to do like, it's like a back elbow or something, but the two of them just collide. Like, yeah, the yeah. car awkward. crash, really like. awkward. And then, of course, after this move, which uh, Jim Ross is like, oh, what a dangerous, unique move. Basically, it is a botch. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Pins Mark Merrow, and then Jackie puts Mark Merrow's foot on the rope. And somewhere in Tennessee, Tennessee, he's like, mate. Yeah? <laughs> That's what, my job. What are you doing? You wait till he puts his foot on the rope first, then you put your hands on it. This, these women today don't know what they're doing. Jackie jumps off the top rope and nails draws with a high heel. And then, yes, we get... The Marvelocity, which uh, I think was rather dangerous. Waluigi wins. Waluigi winner. <laughs> what can you say? It was a Mark Marrow match. Uh, That's the end of that, really. Yeah. What else can you say? That's the end of that. Okay, here's one that I was looking forward to considerably. Yes. Yeah. You want to talk about the irresistible force of a brick shithouse meeting the immovable object of another brick shithouse. It's Vader versus Bradshaw. 
me and Billy didn't know this. We watched this one together the other day, and we didn't realize that these two were going to have a match. So it comes on, like um, Vader comes out, like, oh shit, Vader, this is awesome. And then we hear Bradshaw. And, like, and then we hear no disqualification match. Falls count anywhere. Like, things got very real yeah. very, very quickly. Very, very real. It's very, good very to see quickly. that Vader's returned from having his gastric band surgery. <laughs> Come on. Right. I'm, not, I'm not having this anymore. I, I, guess... I, am, I am a large man. I so, feel I am allowed to Jim, make Jim Ross is a large man Vader. and he picks on fucking Vader for his weight no, issues. That, that is true, actually. I mean, Leave Vader alone. We cut to the back and Bradshaw cuts this, this promo. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, it looks like Vader is ready for war. And uh, Michael Cole is standing by with Bradshaw for his response. Bradshaw, your match against Vader tonight. No holds barred. Balls count anywhere. One fall to the finish. It isn't going to be pretty. Hell no, it's not going to be pretty. I didn't come here to wrestle that fat bastard. I came here to fight him. Vader, you're fixing to find out. Oh. It's survival of the fittest, not the fattest. Well, I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, choice of language. By, I came uh, here to fight that fat bastard, not wrestle. <laughs> that no good bastard. And then it's uh, survival of the fittest, not fattest. <laughs> Leave him poor, alone. Poor Vader, he's going back to the toilets to vomit. <laughs> Good luck, that fat bastard. And Jim Ross is like, I'm sorry for those classless remarks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can fucking talk, Jim Ross. Yeah, on him he's as like, well. Oh, I'm sorry, you know, about these classless remarks. And five seconds later, he's like, Vader had multiple weight issues. <laughs> he's a fat piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's a dirty fucking pig. <laughs> I might as well point out now, Bradshaw, it was at, was it Fully Loaded where he did his kind of quasi heel turn? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, he did his heel turn, then like, the next night in Raw, he was like, oh, I'll take care of it now, Jim Ross. Then he entered the Brawl for All tournaments, and then he obviously got, you know, fucking his brain scrambled so badly that he uh, cut his hair and shaved off his beard. Yeah. He looks weird. He looks so weird here. Yeah. I, his I, hair got punched off in Brawl for All. <laughs> he's got like he looks like a proper action man here. He's got like yeah. boot yeah. polish black hair. Really um, odd. He I I want to say he's in shape, but the shape is an odd shape. It's like an upside down triangle. I think yeah. it's all down to his hair. Honestly, I'm not used to seeing Bradshaw with that kind of hairstyle. It makes him as a whole look weird when he has his hair like that. I think. I yeah, he kind of looks a little bit like what JBL would go on to look, except he's scowling. Yeah, and yeah. JBL never had like. Proper jet black hair. It's like in uh, Ren and Stimpy when Ren like separates his evil half and his uh, placid half. It's like JBL <laughs> is like the kind of goofy half, and then there's like the evil half, which is the black hair. That's this one here. Yeah. So, um, I think the idea here is that they were going. Uh, we mentioned before Stan Henson, who was a legendary wrestler from the West who uh, wrestled a lot in Japan. Yeah. Stiff motherfucker. Obviously, big inspiration for people like. Bradshaw, the whole cowboy, bull rope, stiff lariats, da 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 He had some wars with Vader back in the early 90s in, in Japan. And I think this was to an extent to try and kind of capitalize a little bit of that magic. Right, okay. But obviously, it, it doesn't work. You can't have this clash of titans when you've got, you know, an announcer running down Vader so, so Constantly, much. Constantly, yeah. yeah. But he's to say, Potato Mania starts off and Vader gets the dog fuck knocked out of him, like, really early on. Yep, he's screwed. We, we were talking about this before, how we you know, we always feel very sorry for Vader. Mick Foley is always very vocal about how he thought Vader was mishandled in WWF. But compare Vader, who at this point would be considered like a very savvy uh, you know veteran. He had been around all over the world, won lots of titles, and you know, he'd been world champion in WCW only a few years prior. And he's putting guys over a lot. You compare that to, say, something like TNA now, where you've got a guy like Sting who is, you know, beating all the young guys. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do, f I have to say, it, it always upsets me to see Vader, like, so fucking washed up. And every podcast episode we do, it's, like, worse and worse. 
you know, his standing. But I have to say, you know, he's such a professional. It's decent of him yeah. to be putting guys over, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's just a shame because I, I really like Vader and I want to see him get like better opportunities to look really mean and tough like he should you do. Just like know that like the point of his character is to be this big like you know killing machine. And yeah. if he was, it would make when like someone like Bradshaw beats him up, it would make it seem like a bigger deal. Exactly. Whereas now it's like, well, yeah, but Mark Henry battled up the week before kind of thing. It's not. It, I think Bradshaw's push actually, which they were hoping would come out of him beating Vader. It didn't mean much because Vader had, like, they misused him so much. You if know? you yeah. were an outsider to wrestling and you came in to watch this match, not knowing anything about it beforehand, you'd see Bradshaw picking on a man that all you know about him is he has weight issues. And he's got a silly mask. Exactly, yeah. Probably because he's got no confidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah, poor old Vader. I feel bad for him. Uh, they start, like, they take it to the outside and Bradshaw is like, this is potato mania. It's a fucking yeah, yeah. Bet- we, it's a potato factory. We also, we also get one of the most pathetic stair spots as in, in the steel in, stairs. As in the steel stairs. It's just, it's just a little dink. Just a little dink and then he... Little, little bit of a crumble. And that was kind then, of... Then nobody gives a shit. Vader and basically places the steps onto Bradshaw. It sucks because that's like Vader's first bit of offense. It's like yeah. he gets beaten up loads and then he picks up... The, he like, he's like... Rawr, picks up the steps and he's like... Eh. Little... Boom. Dink. Uh, while they're brawling at ringside as well, you can hear a fan go... Hey Vader, why don't you hit him with your fat ass? Come on! And Vader's just like, I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot! The match loses steam as quick as these two big fucking juggernauts run out. They got tired so quickly. They didn't eat enough chocolate before the You know this reminds me of, you know the start of WarioWare on the Wii? This is an obscure reference, apologies. You know Sarah Wario wear on the Wii and yeah. it shows like Wario in his house is like eating loads Stuck of cake. You yeah. imagine like both these guys before the match in the locker room just going to <laughs> <laughs> Vader whips Bradshaw and blows a raspberry at one point. Yeah. They're in the ring and he whips and he goes <laughs> 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 Now I know you've got Grunge of the Night. This might be the first and last edition of Kevin Mann's Raspberry <laughs> <laughs> But it is definitely. Oh, I would like this to be a. a it is at one hour fifty one minutes yes, and forty four seconds in. Yes. Vader goes. <laughs> Vader hits a splash from the top rope, like all four hundred pounds of him. Yeah. And then straight away he's like hits the Vader bomb and like it, that's that's awesome. It's like Vader, you know. But Bradshaw just kicks out straight away. Yep. And not only does he like kick out, he like properly muscles out Vader. Like he get he throws him off it really makes Vader look like a bit of an asshole and then we get not one but two clothesline from hell amazing clothesline god in heaven they look fucking excruciating I mean I was kind of disappointed I mean because I feel like this was almost the match where they were trying to test Vader so much to kind of see can he still like get that mean side out of him because Bradshaw is proper like stiff in him but Vader like Vader hits an odd headbutt here and there where you can tell he's kind of like giving receipts but Bradshaw really does like you know, he he gets the best of this yeah, by a Vader country mile. Never really steps up to his old sort of attitude of kicking the shit out of someone. No, really. it he, doesn't happen here. He doesn't break anyone's spine in this match. So yeah, Brad hits these two sick clotheslines from hell, and then he hits this lame ass neckbreaker. And Jim Ross acts like the fucking sea has been parted when he hits this neckbreaker. Like it's some, it's just a neckbreaker. Yeah, were they trying to put that over as a finisher or something? Yeah, that really hurts the guy, isn't it? When he's like, kind of, oh, this guy, he's serious business, and he's a shit finisher. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah. It's like when uh, was it MVP debuted and he did that stupid like he puts his leg on you and he falls over. Ooh, oh, scary! That move. But yeah, I mean, you guys obviously your eyes were, were were quite wide when this match started. Did it live up to your expectations? But whilst you know, whilst thinking about it afterward, it wasn't the most amazing match in the world. 
But I, I can say I was entertained throughout and I did enjoy the match. You got soft spot for Vader. I, I love Vader so yeah. much. If we'd have had a Vader from a few years earlier yeah. and a Vader that wasn't getting pissed on by everyone, you know, just yeah. picking on him left, right, Let and that center. be known. I don't actually, I'm not taking the piss out of Vader. I do love him. <laughs> I do love Vader. I'm not, I'm not being serious when I take the piss out of Jim him. Jim Ross afterwards is like, well, Bradshaw won because he's younger and not fat. <laughs> <laughs> You were talking, Jim Ross, you suckling pig. <laughs> Steady on. No, he is proper mean to Vader. Yeah, he is proper mean, but I love Jim Ross. And as gentlemen of carriage, I think we owe it to ourselves <laughs> to stand up for a fellow yeah. large man. Although the three of us together probably would only fit one of Vader's big fat man pants. <laughs> oh, you need Vader alone. That bouncy castle of a man. <laughs> Bullyomania. <laughs> Okay, coming up next, we've got the debut of the mysterious and gothic Gangrel, trademark White Wolf, taking on D'Lo Brown. Uh, first of all, I was a little bit disappointed. Gangrel comes out, there's no fire yet. He just comes up. Yeah, just appears. Just comes out. Because like, I was going to like... Smiling. Yeah. I was going to say, when he comes out with the fire, that is like probably my favourite entrance ever. Oh yeah, we, Billy hasn't seen that yet. I haven't yet. seen um, that, so... When we get to Gangrel's real entrance in the next pay-per-view or so, then yeah. you'll see how really cool it can get. I, this is yeah. still cool though, the red light in and I, the, uh, yeah. the goblet of blood. He's, he is too smiley for a vampire. I kind of like. He's a, all I could. I see, it's not like he's jolly though. Well, no, he's not. He's not jolly, <laughs> but he's got. He's got like a big grin. He's like, if he's gonna have a grin, it needs to be like a sinister grin. He's got a big blood supper. He's, like, has- he's, he's got his little grin, and all I can imagine when he's coming down is the moan of the vampire theme song. <laughs> moan of the vampire. Billy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> D'Lo Brown comes out and D'Lo is uh, no longer the European champion he lost to X-Pac in, which was pretty much a classic match on Raw which you know they had a match at Fully Load as well that was also awesome D'Lo is proper shaking his head now like he's yeah. not it's not like an eccentricity it is his gimmick now <laughs> and he's also saying you better recognise that's his new catchphrase right okay you better recognise that I shake my head a lot <laughs> you will okay. recognise him uh, he's the one with the shaky head <laughs> I suppose I should mention Gangrel had debuted a few weeks ago on Raw and it was one of my favourite botches ever it's like they show like a backstage just kind of it's all dark and you can see his, his glasses his sunglasses and there's like fire in the reflection of this and Jim Ross is like coming up next the debut of the mysterious Gangrel and it goes you know, Raw you know, returns after the break and this, the screen just goes black and all you hear going so am I going to put this guy over or what Vince oh <laughs> my god <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Damn him! Oh, fucking hell. So I think Gangrel, like, right out the blocks. I mean, to be fair, Gangrel never... You know, we can say now, this is, like, one of his only, like, featured singles matches yeah. on pay-per-view. He never re- he never won a title. He never got a big push or anything like that. Obviously, the thing, the main thing working against him was, you know, the fact that he was a vampire. Yeah. But the fact that he didn't get laughed at the building. Because if you told me, oh, we got a wrestling vampire coming on tonight and, you know, he's going to be taken seriously. he No one ever laughed at you know, He always did. He believed the character. I mean, he did, like, live that lifestyle, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So... He, Th- this was something I asked Adam. Is Within kayfabe, yeah. is he a vampire or is he a man who associates himself with that subculture? I think it's meant to be, yeah, the subculture, yeah. Right, okay. No, he's not actually, like, what, you know... What I said was, I think it's just one of these things they never actually address the question of, is he a vampire or If not, he wrestles, like, like, outside at WrestleMania 9, he'll die or something. <laughs> Van Helsing just interrupt, interferes one match, you know, <laughs> stakes him through the heart. They are very, apparently, careful about what they can and can't say, because there's a lot of, you know, there was a lot of stuff on TV at the time about, you know, occult and Satanism, and you can't say this and can't say that. Notice they never say blood, it's always a red liquid or a viscous liquid they always oh, really? say never say blood 
they never say he is a vampire or he follows vampirism. They always say he leads a gothic lifestyle. So and he all... has proper sharp teeth, which he sucks blood out of. I can't say blood. Gangrel, <laughs> <laughs> he sucks the red viscous liquid. Uh, <laughs> he's basically Marceline, isn't he? He's like, yeah. kind of like you know, all the scariness taken away. Like he's a, That is the first Adventure Time reference on the podcast. Yep. We are young and hip. <laughs> Jim Ross says possibly his most classless line of the night. D'Lo is still wearing the chest protector. And Jim Ross is like, that was like four months ago, you know, Dan Severn injured him. If it was a tumor, it would have gone away by now. Oh! What's the matter? I have a headache. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. Wow. I did not hear that. No, I didn't catch that one either. The, the field of oncology begs to differ, Jim Ross. <laughs> Jesus. Decades of scientific research and some man from Oklahoma with a little hat is like... <laughs> Oh, go home, lots of bed rest. Running under a cold tap. <laughs> D'Lo dominates, like, quite a lot. And not yeah. only is he he's beating up Gangrel, he's also mouthing off to the crowd. The crowd love him, though. Yeah. They really love him. Yeah. D'Lo. I like how I'm thinking, this is the first match, like, because we've been going on about, like, you know, D'Lo's kind of like the surprise hit of the podcast, so to speak. Yeah. But in this match, I felt this is a man who was on the verge of... Properly breaking yeah, out. Yeah, he's really flourishing here, isn't he? Yeah, he's, Every, like he's, he's, he's hitting it all. I mean, what else? What, what, what would you say when you see Dealer Brown here and go, well, improve on this and then you can be in the main event? There's nothing really There's to nothing improve it. on, yeah. He's, he's got everything down, like, it's a bit of a shame. And it helps that he's fighting with someone like Gangrel as well. Gangrel's good. I love Gangrel, yeah. he's got really he's unique so, moves. He's so quick for a big really guy. Really yeah. I, I, I imagined when I first saw him, I was like, he's going to be a bit slow, he's going to be a bit of a bruiser. He's so quick. Yeah, no, And I really, really like that. Darting off the ropes. Uh, he does, um, like, tiger suplexes and stuff like that yeah. as well. Anyway, it goes a long way when you're, like, you know, when you've got a unique gimmick to actually, you know... Because if he comes out and he's a vampire and he's like doing you know you know side headlock takeovers or whatever, it's just the little things. You know, do different moves. He doesn't do punches in the corner. He did like shin kicks in the corner. It was like you know he actually make yourself different. Yeah, yeah, make a bit of an effort. It was nice to see. Dio hits the running power bomb in this, and it Amazing. was amazing. Nice, nice, nice move. A lot better than last time. A lot yeah. better than last time. Yeah. Big Mizark comes out, which of course is the. Um, go-to thing here now which of course. is have Mark Henry come out not really know what he's doing yeah you win <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mizar causes the interference and then D'Lo hits sky high and like he beats Gangrel and it's kind of it was a bit of a shame because if he's going to lose in a screwy finish I thought Gangrel maybe should have got a bit more offense in him yeah, yeah. He, he spits blood at Mark Henry afterwards though which is pretty cool sorry him. red viscous liquid we yeah. do not want the, pod- <laughs> the podcast police to take us down <laughs> <laughs> there's red viscous liquid everywhere and then he hits uh, the uh, the Impaler DDT. On oh, it looks amazing. Sick move. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Gangrel never really gets uh, gets a kind of a full run of it. But we'll get to see him more in the podcast. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. Hooray. Uh, I should point out as well here that D'Lo and Mark are kind of like buddy-buddies together now. But the nation is all but split up. Because The Rock has turned face. Uh, it'll The conclusion of this will come soon enough. But The Rock turned face by, like, D'Lo was about to be killed by Undertaker and Kane. Yeah. And The Rock came out in this, like, rare moment of heroism. And he's like, you know, get your candy asses out of here. And then D'Lo ran away as The Rock tried to save him. Right. So we're starting to see the fractures here now. D'Lo and Mark are still together. But notice there's no Godfather. Owen yeah. is basically doing his own thing. So the nation is kind of... Dissolving. Unfortunately, yes. But okay. before it could be watered down anymore, I suppose. <laughs> It's time for Triple Threat Backstage Interviews. Mickey Cole interviews Kenny Shamrock. Ken, tonight you again meet The Rock and Mankind in a Triple Threat matchup, but tonight you'll meet him in a steel cage. The winner will be named the number one contender for the WWF Championship. How far will you go to become the number one contender? 
I'll go as far as it takes. I said it once, and I'll say it again. I came to the WWF to be the champion, and nothing else matters. It seems like every time I've been getting the ring lately, I've been getting burned. Well, tonight, in a steel cage match, I'm going to take my frustrations out on the rock, mankind. So, boys, get ready to knuckle up. Let's get it on. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm, I'm giving Ken Shamrock some much-needed personality. Uh, I love Ken. I think he's great. Can't cut a promo to save his no, life. He no, can't. he can't. The only words that should be coming out of your mouth, Ken Shamrock, are, Dah! He's like, it is time to knuckle up. I am going to win the match tonight. What are you doing? Nope. Player one is psyched up for his match. <laughs> um, Ken is basically, by process of elimination, kind of turned heel here. Yeah, he's kind of like, like he's yeah. always been a little bit heel though because he's such a fucking maniac. No, I'd say he's been a fan favorite so far in the podcast because everyone's always been on his side. When you consider who he's been put up against, people like The Rock and Owen Hart, you know they are fully fledged heels. So by default, people will automatically root for Shamrock. Yeah, you actually get that a lot in the Attitude Era, which is like someone turns face and then like the other guy stays the same, but by virtue of the fact that they're feuding, he just becomes heel. Exactly. Yeah, and it's kind of lazy to an extent, I suppose. But that's just how it balances out, really. Then we guess. Doc with The Rock. I like that. See there? Yeah. Clever. Uh, the Rock cuts a fucking awesome promo. Well, Rock, you heard it. Ken Shamrock said tonight he's going to take his frustrations out on Mankind. Shut up. You think The Rock could give two pieces of monkey crap about you, Ken Shamrock, and your little frustrations? Well, make no mistake about it. Tonight is going to be the night of The Rock. So what The Rock wants to know is if you two candy-ass jabronis don't have too much sugar in your testes, you come on out, you face The Rock two-on-one, make your monkey asses famous, because The Rock will be smack dab right in the middle of the people's cage. And what he plans on doing is The Rock will take his right hand, The Rock will take his left hand, and then The Rock will commence on laying the smack down on both your monkey asses. Now what The Rock is going to do after that is he's going to raise the people's eyebrow, he's going to drop the people's elbow, and one of you poor schmucks is going to take The Rock bottom right in the center of the ring. And then The Rock will proceed to climb the people's cage inch by inch by damn inch. And when it's all said and done and all the people are through chanting The Rock's name, the smoke is cleared, you two jabronis will join the millions and millions of The Rock's fans who know damn well that The Rock is and will forever be and the rock means forever be the people's champion. face rock poem what did you make of it Billy? i really really liked it i think i think this is where it is i think i prefer the rock as a face uh than as a heel. it's only gonna get better as well yeah. this is all gonna keep getting better yeah. and better the rock like i some would argue he peaks in late 2000s because by the time wrestlemania 17 comes along like 2001 you know, the fans are kind of a little bit sick of him. But yeah. we've got two years where the guy just keeps getting better. And it's, it's, I'm really like excited like that The Rock is like just... Yeah. He doesn't get injured for any length of time. He's always on he's TV. He's always around, yeah. And he's he always has something funny to say and he's always good in the ring. Mentions uh, sugar-coated testes. Sugar-coated testes, yeah. Um, the Rock's verbiage, I suppose, is somewhat confusing at times. Then we get uh, Kev Kell backstage with... Sorry, Kevin Kelly. Kev Kell. Kev Kell, K-squared. You dealing with the K-factor. <laughs> He is in my the K factor is me Kevin Steen Kevin Nash and Kevin Bacon. <laughs> He's backstage with mankind. Now mankind is like this is this is the mankind I grew up with. He's full fledged yeah. like funny goofy goofy. Mankind in tonight's cage match. It appears Ken Shamrock is looking for blood and The Rock is looking for glory. What are you looking for? 
Oh, Kevin Kelly, I'm looking for an end to world hunger, but I don't really expect to have that happen during this match. But I'm going to overlook the stupidity of this question because I'm used to stupidity all my life. When I broke JoJo Miller's guns because I wanted them, in retrospect, that was probably a stupid thing. When I saw a grown man urinating on an electric fence, I thought that that was a stupid thing. The president of this country sacrificing a nation for a girl that even I would have turned down in high school is probably a stupid thing. But of all the stupid things I've seen in my life, nothing rivals the people's elbow for sheer stupidity. So if you think that mankind in a pay-per-view match inside a steel cage is going to lay down and sell that abortion, well, you're even stupider than I look. And Ken Shamrock, as far as you looking out for blood, well, I have news for you. You see, I am trained inside the museum with spaceman Frank Hickey, and I am ready! Sugar-coated testes. Is that a new breakfast cereal? Amazing. Uh, if sugar-coated testes are a new type of breakfast cereal. <laughs> yeah. This is great to see this because we watched uh, For All Mankind recently, which is a yeah. great documentary, and they were like just had like a montage. And randomly out of the blue, just this mankind going, sugar-coated testes, is that a new breakfast cereal? And we're like, what, what? the hell is that? Context, please. <laughs> now we have it. Now we have it. He also makes a pretty sweet Monica Lewinsky joke. Quite uh, topical. Yeah, still very popular on the Monica Lewinsky jokes. And Mick Foley drinking some Topicana orange juice there. <laughs> wow. Full of them today, Kevin. Oh yeah, you better believe it. So the triple threat match has been set up. It was only set up on the Sunday Night Heat uh, before this, immediately before this. Which is so strange. There is, a, as I said, it's quite confusing what leads us to this point. But basically the idea is Vince recognises all three of these guys as threats to his master plan so he's having he's distracting them from Austin and Undertaker and Kane yeah. by putting them all together and again he put them in a cage because he didn't want Austin to interfere he didn't want anyone to interfere he wanted to kind of keep this closed so to speak so we got a triple threat match for the number one contenders for the WWF championship in a cage it's Mankind taking on The Rock taking on Ken Shamrock Jim Ross refers to the cage as being more dangerous than the octagon not really. No, that's um, a lie, that is. That's an actual lie. That being said, that old Attitude Era cage... Looks yeah. thick and heavy, doesn't it? I'd say that the Attitude Era mats are probably more dangerous than yeah. the Attica. <laughs> Mankind tries to leave like immediately, straight off the bat, in this match. He like, tries to walk out the door. Yeah. And straight away, I'm kind of like, we got a bit of a problem here, guys, because WWF triple threat rules state that two men must take out one man, leave on the outside, and have a singles match for five minutes. <laughs> it is in the rule book. And you can't do that here because... No, you can't. We're in the cage. But I think they... They get around that totally fine, I think. I yeah. was like, oh, this is going to be awkward as sin. Like, you know, last minute triple threat cage match. You but know? when you bear in mind the kind of talent that are going into this match together, then they can clearly handle it. And they do handle it because there's never really any awkward moments where there's one guy just standing around or whatever. Yeah, no, it's true. And what, what basically how they get around it is we've got like... Because all three guys are somewhat affiliated to an extent, we have them basically taking turns teaming up yeah. on the other guy. And it's very, it, there's a load of comedy in this match to an extent with uh, Mankind basically thinking he's found a new best friend in The Rock. <laughs> yeah. Moments after The Rock is you're beating them across the head and all that yeah. stuff. So we get a lot of cool spots. We get like a double abdominal stretch. That is so awesome. Yeah. In the middle of Shades yeah. of uh, Chikara yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a double people's elbow. The double people's elbow. Yes, that was. And a, the people love it as well. The crowd yeah. are going absolutely ballistic for that. You know, the 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 crowd are bloody nuclear in this match. They are so into it, like, which is I mean, really cool. This is like three matches before the main event as well, and the crowd yeah. are absolutely insane yeah. for it. Yeah, I have to say, no, Canada. Canada's always got like. Some people will say like, "Oh, bizarre world," blah blah blah. But if you give them a good show, yeah, you know, SummerSlam two thousand and four. 
Some, watch that show sometime it's in Canada and they do not put on a good show <laughs> and, it is and they in, let it be known they be known by dancing on JBL's limo during the main event and doing a Mexican <laughs> rave <Okay. laughs> so I think WWE would be wise that like yeah if you're gonna be in Canada put on a you know, put on matches like this keep keep that crowd at, uh, at bay Ken Shamrock was referred to by Jim Ross as being tougher than a two dollar steak which is what Jim Ross is like <laughs> I didn't hear that <laughs> oh it's more Jesus. barbecue references now, where can you get a $2 steak in Lincoln? I don't know, but I want to find one. That sounds fucking awesome. Try it. Like, if you, basically, what you're saying is if you get Ken Shamrock, like, and you put him on the grill for a few minutes, and then you get your knife, like, oh, Ken, I can't cut through you at all. Tough as old boots, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're all crystal, Ken. We get some weird moments within this match with Mankind, uh, mankind when, he's, uh, when he tries to uh, get out of the ring. Yeah. Gets to the top, realises, probably shouldn't be up here this early. I'll just jump back in from as high up as I can. Yeah, I yeah. Actually, really hurt I actually didn't like that. La- to be landed, and it, it happened a couple of times where you know someone had obviously told Mick that's what you need to do within this match. You know? I, honestly, I don't think it's someone telling me. I think it's Mick saying, "I'll go off the cage here. I'll do this." Yeah, because that. he lands on his knee when when he yeah. jumps off. He lands on his knee so hard. It's uh, he goes to the top and he basically it's cool. He like. He thinks he's doing like he's, yeah, like, he's yeah. about to escape, it's and like then all of a sudden for him. he starts, you know, doing the the snooker sign. And Jim Ross is like, "Oh, he thinks he's in the garden." All this stuff. It was really cool. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Jesus Christ! I hope someone comes and takes him down. Yeah. But he just goes, yeah, straight. Rock the only dives. person that can take Mick Foley down is Mick Foley. <laughs> he does a pretty good job of it here. It's, like, it's a shame because, like, I wish I was more ignorant than you know. Because obviously, we get into wrestling and we find out all the injuries that get caused and stuff. And I'm sure to like average Joe Sixpack, that probably looked really awesome. But yeah. Knowing it's Mick Foley. Yeah. That, we that know just made his me history. sad. That just made me like, oh, watching, why are you doing this? Watching these shows in order makes it very difficult to watch Mick Foley wrestle. Well, because it's only been like a few months since King of the Ring as well, and he's still not had time to properly recover. Yeah, he had like, that. I think he had a couple of weeks off after SummerSlam, but he was brought back straight away. Right. A couple of weeks isn't much, though, when you mix it's Foley. It's not. I, I think it was like knee surgery or something like that, but yeah, you can tell the knee is giving him a lot of trouble. So um, he, he jumps off and lands on it, you know, just. Just for safe measure. Fair folks to them for giving like the match that moment. Oh yeah, definitely. If you got a cage match and high stakes, you expect a mo- you know a moment is expected, I suppose, isn't it? Also, just going back to this spot because I believe this is the same moment. Um, he goes to do the elbow, doesn't he? He jumps off the top of the cage yeah. to hit the rock, and the rock, rock rolls. rolls out of the way, and then rock rolls back over again, bleed him. He just suddenly, yeah! suddenly busted open from we missing watching, an elbow. We actually watched a Botchamania earlier where Ric Flair does a roll up on someone, and then he gets up and he's bleeding like. <laughs> yeah. Did he dive out of the way in such a way that the blood gersh? <laughs> <laughs> such an obscure reference if anyone gets Hunky it. Honky Tonk Man, you shoot. Check oh, it out. Right yeah, there we go. But yeah, you mentioned The Rock here. I think everyone's getting like, kind of turns in this match to show off, but The Rock is getting the most featured spots because The Rock is the most over. And it's yeah. pretty obvious, yes, The Rock is going to be our top guy. And it's actually kind of, I mean, I hate to say, oh, it's fortunate someone got injured. But by virtue of the fact that Triple H basically disappeared immediately after SummerSlam with the Intercontinental Belt, it's if you had like The Rock here trying to get over, and then you had like the guy who beat him like wandering around with the strap, it would kind of hurt him a lot. Triple H not being here really ha- this like crucial one month yeah, period. True. Yeah. Really true, helps right. him a lot. Jerry Lawler calls Ken Shamrock the world's most dumbest man. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Clever. What can you say? Uh, Ken Shamrock is trying to escape and he grabs a chair from the outside. Going through the door. I mean, you were talking about this. The door in cage matches. What do, what do you guys think about this? Well, you see them from time to time lock the cage door. They put the latch over on it. Yeah. They put the latch on it. But then somehow, 
it is open. Yeah. And then it is closed again. And it just so happens to be open whenever somebody is <laughs> is crawling. The idea is meant to be the idea is meant to be that they're meant to instruct the referee to open the door, but obviously that doesn't. The referees I... are a law unto themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hate about it. I don't mind door escapes for cage matches. I think it's fine. But it's not that like much. It. It's not much effort for a wrestler to open the door and walk out. Yeah. Whenever you see like a referee go and open the door as if to say, "Here you are, sir, on your way," it, it really does <laughs> yeah. my head. Here's in. your coat, like, Mr. Shamrock. So see, I, I, I think it's just me, but I think cage matches you should end with you climbing out of the cage. Yeah, that's that was. Like, that's it's a cage match, not a. That is how it was. In in no a mercy cage, on the walk, N64. Out, walk out the door and you win match. You know. <laughs> Sorry, not a walk out the door and you win match. <laughs> yeah. That's a great gimmick for a match. This isn't a lay on your ass match. It's a walk out the door match. <laughs> Maybe they should have a referee. They should have some sort of cage master be outside. Yeah. Cage master, there cage you go. Master. Hood. Yeah, there you go. Ken brings in the chair as he's trying to escape. He gets clocked by Mick Foley. I had to Mankind say, Mankind murders him. Thankfully, there, there was a moment. There was a moment where we, when we see Ken uh, drag the chair in. Yeah. Me and Adam both at the same time went, "Please, don't, Mick, no, no, Mick, not Mick, please, no, no, Mick's got it. He's hit him. That's fine. Anyone but Mick." <laughs> Hi everyone, Kevin from the Attitude Era podcast here. The last minute or so got lost in some sort of freak accident with someone's phone messing up the microphone when we recorded. So I tried to re-record it and pretend like it never happened, but unfortunately my powers of illusion are not strong enough. Basically what happens is, Rock wins the match by pinning Ken Shamrock as Mankind tries to escape the cage. The next match we're talking about is Val Venus versus Dustin Runnels, and we're talking about how Dustin Runnels had been coming around on Raw with a sign saying, he is coming and he is going to come, uh, talking basically about uh, Jesus returning because he was a preacher gimmick now. Cut back to the action on the actual recording of the podcast, and let's pretend this never happened. And he has got a sign, and Dustin Runnels is resting in the ring, and the sign says, I have come. Right. He says, I have come. And he's in, the, he's, he's in the crowd, though, Val Venus. He's, he's, like, he's in his little pants, and he's got a sign saying, I have come. And he's like, yeah! And all the fans are like, yeah! <laughs> and then what he starts doing, he starts going, come, 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 come. Oh, and before you know saying. it, 10,000 people are all chanting, come, 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 come. And Val Venus is grabbing his dick going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And Dustin is in the ring going, no, stop chanting come, that is not, no. Naughty boys. That is one of the most deplorable things I've ever heard of. I get, come, I, chanting the word come. I, I will say, right, Val Venus, I get your gimmick. You are meant to be, as Billy said before, a sexy man. <laughs> However, come on its own is the least sexy thing it's in the world. Disgusting. It is a disgusting fluid. I, it is on its, it's just on its own, it's horrible. No one should chant that, and no one should write it on a sign. See, what I love about this, this little conversation now is that we know that some people listen to this in their car. Are proper turned on. <laughs> no, people, people listen to this in the car, and you know, I just like to think you know, they're stopping at like a little, uh, a little booth of some sort, a little security gate. They've got this, uh, got this on. Come, 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 come. come, come. come. You know, they were doing the Super Soaker uh, um, sponsorship at oh, the time. Oh, God. Yeah, Val came out with his own Super Soaker. It was a Super Soaker that was the exact same colour as his skin, and he was pumping it up, and it was shooting out white fluid. Is that, is, fuck's sake! Is that though they came up with the, the, the Super Soaker idea? Because it's a real advert of, of kids being hit in the face by a stringy liquid. Well, that's what and Val... It was a real Super 
soaker. Bell comes out with the super soaker, this flesh-colored super soaker, and he's doing this. And Jim Ross is like, Bell, coming out here with the love gun. <laughs> the love gun. And I bet super soaker are like, yes, that phallic imagery is going to move a lot of fucking units come summertime. <laughs> That's the advertising we were thinking about, yeah. Needless to say, there's a match going on in the ring, and Val Venus is meant to be—he's—is he—he's meant to be the face, more or less. I well, see. okay, this is the match I was going to talk about earlier when I said that there's an arena full of heels, because the story here, basically, just to sum up the actual—the main story behind this match—is that Val made a sex tape with Dustin's wife, the correct? preacher's wife. Yeah. So basically, Val stole this man's wife. Fucked her, filmed it, and then, you know, sort of broadcast part of that for all of the nation to see. Then brings her to the ring. Then he comes out of the match with Dustin's wife, and they gyrate, and they're oh, rubbing it's... all over each other. Yeah. And they're like, you know, they're like, yeah, we're going to fuck or whatever. Got the French kiss in. And, then... and it the was crowd are going mental for Val. They love Val Venus. Dustin's there, crying. Well, yeah, Dustin's in the a ring. heel, but He's I feel so sorry for him. Like, if Dustin was just Dustin Rolls, because remember I told you before the whole storyline was that he lost the match and Vince was like, you have to wrestle with their pay now. Yeah. Yeah. If that was the story and you were just like, hey, he's a fucking, you know, he's the working man, he's getting, you know, screwed over by the corporate guy and then this like big Hollywood dude is taking his missus. Dude, that's a fucking face making, right? I mean, he yeah. would be so he freaking would be. out. But instead he's got this like, you know, he's got this, you know, holier than now Christian gimmick, which I think it's a good gimmick, but just here it's In like... In this context, because he's a heel, so no one's going to cheer him. But what Val is doing is so deplorable and despicable. What about Val? What about like Terry? Like she? Yeah, is... like it's really fucking horrible. This I feel is the first so time sorry for it. we see Terry on the uh, on the podcast. Actually, she had been gone. She used to be the valet, obviously, of 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 Dustin Rolls as Marlena when he yeah. was Goldust, and they had real life marital problems at the time. So, oh, it's so bleak. You know, it's like kind of, and they don't they have the history of this because you know a year or two previously. They had done a storyline where, like, you know, Brian Pillman, who actually had also went out with Marlena and with Terry in real life as well, they did a storyline where, like, you know, she was like his sex slave and all this Jesus. stuff. Jesus. So you want to talk about a couple that has really like had the fucking boots put to it by the wrestling business? Here it is, like. Wow. We present to you. Yeah, <laughs> Dustin. Really, really. Sad. I feel bad for Dustin Reynolds. Like, yeah. it's just you know. Uh, I mean, it, the, the match itself was all right. Yeah, like, should we get to the match actually? Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay action, but it's hard to root for either man when both of them are like basically like bona fide heels. Like, Val leaves like halfway through the match, like grow grinds up uh, up against like uh, Terry, and like they're basically making out like it's the urn, and now he's like right, and he comes in, he hooks up because he's like had his guy's dick is hard now, so he can, yeah, you know. Bit of a shame. Val wins with the money shot. Yeah. Uh, we get a lot of air horn action in this yeah. match as well. Yeah. Particularly, there's a close two count. It's like, one, two. <laughs> I think Dustin kicked out, kind of going, Jesus. <laughs> get two signs here, both very similar. Uh, suck my Venus. Great. Nice little see what he did there. And uh, the more impressive uh, sign, suck my big fat Venus. My big fat throbbing Venus. He had a shirt. I hate you, Attitude Era. <laughs> I hate you. Whoa. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate that's you. That's not saying anything. I hate some of you. Val had a shirt that came out closer around this time. It said, I am locked, cocked, and ready to blow, and the letters were in cum. Oh, come on. Again, Val. What cum. is his obsession with cum? Cum is. is he proper a- likes doing it. That is his gimmick. Not he the act of coming, the actual the cum itself is what we're talking oh, about. Oh, right. Here. Exactly. I can't believe we're discussing this on a wrestling podcast. What? This is cum. absurd, yeah. Cumitude era cumcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got a six man tag coming up here. It is Jeff Jarrett and Southern Justice taking on D Generation X, who don't have Triple H or China with them because China is injured by proxy, I suppose. Yeah. At, at this point, I realised because X Pac's the uh, European champion, right? Yes, he won from D Lo. 
Am I right in thinking? In fact, I think DX I have all the goals. Yeah, but there's only one title on the line in this entire pay per view. Uh, the WWF Championship. Yes. Yeah. No, no tag titles. No Intercontinental title because Triple H is away. Yeah. No European title. They're... I'm fine with that to be honest because I mean I don't think it should be that every pay per view should have a, have to have a title match. If anything, if if you do that, I think it like it almost like if it's expected, you have to have a title match. You know, but pa- I kind of think... makes things somewhat predictable. At yeah. Times. And honestly, Raw at this point, they were carrying, you know, they, they were putting, if they weren't putting on good title matches on Raw, I would. Oh, those are the days when you had title matches on Raw, yeah. Sorry. Exactly, you had some like pretty good, pretty good matches, particularly with the uh, European and tag belts. The gimmick here is that Road Dog had been hit in the throat with Double J's guitar, uh, so Road Dog has not got his voice, Billy, no! Oh, what are you going to do, mate? I'm, I'm going to be happy and enjoy this match. Ooh. And this is what I did. You are a miserable man, <laughs> Billy People, and you don't know the meaning of the word fun. Uh, when Jeff was coming out, there was a sign I quite liked. I, I rarely pick up on signs. This one was good. It said, Double J, Jeff Jobber. <laughs> <laughs> He could join the job squad. Pin me, pay me, piss me off. <laughs> Outlaws come out over the rail, obviously, to get the uh, the jump on uh, Southern Justice and Jeff Jarrett. Uh, I, I'd say I'm, I'm continuing to be a fan of Jeff now. Yeah, he looks way cooler now as well. Yeah, definitely. He's and improved quite Jeff a lot. and X-Pac handled the bulk of the action early on, which is good because their SummerSlam match is still one of my favourite matches from yeah, the podcast great so match. far. Southern Justice really stick out bad here. I spent a while trying to figure out where it is that they they fit in. Southern Justice there with their with their glittery uh, waistcoats. They look like they're on big break. <laughs> it's only a game, so put up a real good fight. I'm gonna be snickering you tonight. <laughs> a big break big, reference big break. I'm just saying like since my pay-per-view's been on at 5 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon on BBC 2 big break oh my god <laughs> Mark Canterbury he's the one who is not Dennis Knight he's the one who is not Midian big burly motherfucker massively missed opportunity I think he was friends with Triple H big dude he was a hog farmer then he was a big break player and then he <laughs> He more or less disappeared in wrestling. Mm. I think they really missed a trick here with him because he's actually he's really good. You see his power moves. He did like a cartwheel, like a backflip power bomb with X Pac. Yeah. He did like a big clinch power bomb. His stuff looks really fucking awesome. I have to say. Uh, one hour fifty six minutes into the pay per view, we get our grunt of the night. Hooray! It is in this match, and it is a little callback to the original grunt of the night we did ages ago with Double J. Yes. It's exactly the same spot, and it's more or less the same noise. What happens is he throws someone into the ropes. They come back and he catches him in a headlock and where beforehand he went Instead now he goes And on this one it's more of a It's the same noise but in the same spot Someone on Twitter tried to tell me that he's actually trying to say something there No he's not Now we'll send it down to the crime lab and see what the boys in the auditory analysis (laughs) Can I get a hard copy of Double J's uh, (laughs) But I like it because I'm a big fan of when people make the same noise in the same spot in their matches (laughs) No Uh, that's true You introduced me to uh, Randy Orton versus The Undertaker (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps Orton believing he's getting into the head of the dead man Find out the robot bus we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put that on the Facebook page just look up Randy Orton Undertaker strange noise <laughs> Jeff Jarrett actually does 
he does suck it as well but as he does suck it he's like okay as well <laughs> I think Jeff Jared like they need to release an action figure of him and he's just got with his phrase yeah gay yeah gay but funny you should mention the uh, the glad gay sleeper hold which Jeff Jared does here because after he does the glad gay sleeper hold X-Pac reverses it into his own sleeper hold but then Jeff reverses that into a backdrop and goes ah oh, fuck <laughs> <laughs> So there's a, a lot of stuff going on here. Of course, X-Pac gets worked over, you know, uh, an awful lot. Obviously, anytime X-Pac is in a multi-man match, he is the small man. Yeah, he gets he's worked gonna get over. Picked on. Building up the hot tag, Mr. Ass comes in and he proper clears house. Obviously, the standard for hot tags has been set by Mr. Bradshaw early yeah. on in the podcast. But, you know, Mr. Ass, he, I think he's, I'd say he's fucking awesome, Mr. Ass. Yeah, yeah he was really, he's really, really good. It's a good hot tag. Press yeah. slam. He press slammed Double J. That was impressive, mm. I have to say. Uh, I know. I think Mr. Ass as well is like, as we'll go along, we'll probably see he's a guy who probably didn't, he didn't make it as big as he probably should have, because he's fucking massive. He's really athletic. He's very charismatic. Very charismatic. He has the crowd in the palm of his hand. He's not very good in the mic, but he can still rile up the crowd. I think him not being great on the mic is possibly his, you know, the reason why he didn't get as far as he could have. Because I know certainly for me and all my friends back in the days of school when we were watching Attitude Era and stuff. Whenever we thought of New Age Outlaws, you know, we'd always be quoting Road, Road Dog. Dog and, yeah. you know, Road Dog was the main guy from the New Age Outlaws. He really overshadowed them. Like, yeah. Looking back now, I realise, you know, how much I missed out by not actually paying that much attention to Mr. Ass because he's also, like, fucking phenomenal. So, yeah, he doesn't definitely. get as much credit as he deserved. Yeah, so uh, Double J on the outside quacks X-Pac with the guitar, but inside, uh, Badass Billy Gunn, famous Midian, sorry, Dennis Nice, and picks up the win for DX. And sadly, Double J's uh, heavies, Southern Justice, kind of disappear after this. But... I don't know. I mean, I think they were good for what they were, but it was the last remnant of the old Double J gimmick. Yeah, I'm not bothered about them. I'd rather just focus on the new Double J. Yeah, I think Double J is like, he's kind of coming into his own. He what? doesn't need the heavies. Sorry, is he Jeff Jarrett now? Has he actually ditched Double J? They call it interchangeable, yeah. you know, to be honest. You know, So yeah, there you go. Something just to disappear. Mark Canterbury, we will not see again. Dennis Knight, we will see again in some pretty deplorably weird stuff. But more on that at a later date. Stay tuned. Promo for the main event. September 27, Austin. You're going to defend the WWF Championship against both The Undertaker and Kane in a triple threat match. Brilliant plan. Brilliant master plan. Austin can't survive that against these two monsters. I'll come out in this ring and take both of your asses on because there ain't no way you'll ever finish off Stone Cold Steve Austin. Undertaker and Kane, you are the single most destructive force in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. The man was right, these guys are a terror. They're terrorizing everybody now. This is not a normal, a normal triple threat match. Undertaker, you are prohibited, pro- prohibited from defeating your brother Kane. Prohibited. And Kane, you are prohibited, you are absolutely prohibited, prohibited from defeating your brother, the Undertaker, in this match. It's nothing more than a glorified handicap match. Vince McMahon didn't screw, didn't screw Stone Cold Steve Austin. Didn't screw Stone Cold. Protection for Mr. McMahon. 
Houston, nothing personal. It's just business. Let me tell you something, you big dead bastard. If you're trying to take this from Stone Cold Steve Austin, you damn right, it is personal. You damn right, you damn right, it is personal. I'm damn sick and tired. I'm damn sick and tired. Sick and tired. I'm damn sick and tired. What can you walk around with that WWF championship belt? Austin's got a tear. Going in to the pay-per-view. Don't expect Austin 316 to show up. He has got that chair, Steve Austin. Austin. Oh. Oh, oh, my God. Number 65, number 66. But what you can't expect is Austin 666. Who are you to warn us about anything? Son, you better take a long, hard look at what's standing in front of you. Undertaker and Kane, they'll annihilate you. Austin is doomed. I will guarantee you. Did you hear what I said? Guarantee you. Stone Cold will no longer be the WWF champion. It's going to be interesting and breakdown. Who's going to be the World Wrestling Federation champion? champion? As I said before, a little bit sick and tired of Kane and Undertaker at the moment. I'm ready for it to be finished. Yeah. They've How done long this a lot until now. it is finished? Um... Things like kind of cloudy up a little bit for the next month or two, but by the time we come to Survivor Series, everyone is moving on to different things. Right. Okay. Survivor Series is kind of like sets up what's going to be the storyline for the next six months. Right. So I just feel like they could have maybe spread this out a little bit in a way that you don't feel like we're at, like next month. I feel we're going to be like, okay, this has definitely gone on a month too long. Yeah. Which happens sometimes with these storylines. Yeah. So you know. So uh, we cut to Heat, where Stunko Steve Austin dressed up as Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. Amazing. Or Aaron Anderson. Amazing little <laughs> so moment. So funny. It's <laughs> anytime Austin dons a disguise to get Vince McMahon. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like an arrest development. Austin. Don't get up. I just find the supplies because I'm a private. Detective Gene Parmesan, how are you doing? Ah, Gene! Oh, Gene, isn't he the best? Gene was far from the best. Ah, Gene! <laughs> he got me again! <laughs> I love how the glasses stay on. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. Everything else goes, glasses stay on. Never seen a man do a Luthers press wearing glasses before. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve Austin, he's dressed up before as like a firefighter, he's dressed up a as a surgeon. surgeon, and here he's dressed up as like a ring worker. Something. In fairness, you see Vince in the ring, in the cage, and there's a man in a blue jumpsuit. Who's that going to be? Who's that like? That's a rather large-looking worker to be setting up a cage. Why, it's the cage master. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as Kane comes down, they start again questioning the allegations. Is Kane and Undertaker on the same side? Because they're not coming out together. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. We've been... You, you, surely you know at this point, it is a road that has been ridden to death. As tired as this is getting, the whole Kane Undertaker thing, that watching something as simple as watching Kane's entrance here again made me realise just how much I love this Kane. And I've yeah. decided now, we're like, what are we, seven episodes in? Now? Seven episodes yeah. in, seven months. I just want to speak to you like about this, Billy. What do you think? Now you've had a proper good look at the classic Kane. And not bald Uncle Fester Kane. Yeah. yeah, how do they weigh up in your mind? Because um, obviously you're, the main Kane for you, the one you know, is bald Kane. Yeah. So. Uh, or as I like to uh, remember it, slow chemical cane. Oh. <laughs> Billy actually said to me earlier today, how long do we get before Kane starts using that as his entrance music? Well, you like? actually like that. Yeah. Uh, of so course I do. That's long after the Attitude Era, man. Thank fuck, we're yeah. not going to get to see any of um, when the I... When the ratings go down and the money yeah. stops coming in, that's when they're right. like, okay, slow chemical. Um, I like... I, I didn't particularly like Kane when he was bald. 
when he was unmasked. Why yeah. would you? I, I, I never particularly was a fan of him. Here, um, I don't know, it's 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 hard for me to to keep up the, the mystique of Kane because I know what he's like now. Yeah, it's like, it's that's like, true. It's, it's, my pro- it's the same problem I had with The Rock. Yeah. Is I have, I have, I have a problem uh, putting the two apart. But the it's rock, what, it's, how it's the rock is image, in, kind of. yeah, the image yeah. is tainted. So yeah. it's hard for me to weigh up, sort of normally and unbiased. See, that's a shame. What I think of Kane. What you got to look at here is at this point, Kane wasn't even talking. Like he didn't even speak yeah. or anything at this point. He was that mysterious. You never heard anything of him apart from coming out of like a you know a really creepy sounding voice yeah, box. So. Yeah, I know. I, I honestly think I'll say it again. I think. They are very stupid to not have Paul Bearer involved in this. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, yeah, but like, it makes no sense to Kane and Undertaker together anyway. So why not just throw throw in Paul Bearer? Yeah, and who we cares? Ne- it doesn't we, make sense. We never actually got Kane, Undertaker, and Paul Bearer all three of them together at the same time ever, did we? No, not once. Yeah, never. they're always like one against the other. Yeah. I think they really imagine like a big like super group kind of like that would you know be amazing. That would yeah. like Paul Bearer is the mouthpiece again. The fact that Paul Bearer is sitting home collecting checks after the promos we saw earlier in the podcast, I just like it. it really irritates me because yeah. again, I think you were pretty impressed with, with Paul Bearer. Billy. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I thought Paul Bearer was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Anyway, the match gets off to a kickstart as Austin ambushes Undertaker as he's coming out during his entrance. And they're well, putting over, trying to divide and conquer. Get the laser pointers as well. Ah, yes. About seven or eight laser pointers are on Undertaker's yeah. face in his entrance. I also get to hear that sassy guitar. Oh, yeah. The most 90s music ever. It's dreadful. I really don't like it. I will say one thing, though. At least they don't have jingle bells in this version. No. <laughs> it's no longer December. You cannot get away with that WWF. Um, Austin hits a stunner on Kane like really early in the... Uh, yeah, like in five the, minutes in. Did you guys catch it? It was a really cool moment here. Austin is trying to kind of, you know, split the two guys up, keep them apart and you know, keep on top. But obviously they start the numbers game starts in Austin but the crowd start chanting for Austin as he's been worked over and they're going Austin Austin and the Undertaker literally glares at the crowd and they stop oh yeah that oh, was yeah. fucking amazing so cool. that's how scary he is yeah. he made 17,000 rowdy Canadians shut the fuck up yeah. um, <laughs> kudos sir I liked uh, Kane's breathing in the match uh, I, I was talking to Adam about it and Adam was saying that you know you can always hear Kane's breathing this is the first time I've noticed it it's he the, sounds like a mask, he yeah. sounds like a pug well, he's got the breaky character thing, the fact that he's got like it yeah, pushed yeah. up against his. Uh, he basically broke his spell, can't he? Yeah. So, yeah, he's snapped. <laughs> I had to know Kane, the fact that he, he worked under that mask for so yeah, long. Yeah, for years. Like, because you hear, like, uh, you hear on, like, you know, Art of Wrestling with Colt and all like that. Any guys talking about masks, they say, like, get the El Generico mask or the, you know, the Rey Mysterio mask where, like, you can big eyes, it. mouth way open. Guys like Kane, like Kane's mask and Mankind's mask as well. Really it uncomfortable. Looks so uncomfortable. Yeah. So, uh, same with Vader's. Vader's yeah. mask looks too tight for him. That being said, I think Vader was born wearing that mask. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I question the wisdom of having two triple threat matches in one pay per view. Yeah, and they're actually kind of close together as well. They're only separated by a couple of matches. Yeah, and it's like the first triple threat was awesome. This is like the action here is really good, you know, but it's just like the dynamic in triple threat matches is always going to be the same, isn't it? Like, Yeah, you, you can't keep doing it. You can't shake it as much as they want to make it out like there's something different happening here. You know, it's not, it's it's until maybe on halfway through the match where you start getting Taker and Kane are starting to bicker. Yeah, it is a handicap to start off with, really, yeah. and then yeah, things slowly start to fall apart. 
Vince McMahon has a bit of a glaring hole in his master plan, like, oh yeah, both men will want to win, I suppose. <laughs> Forgot about that. I'm sick and tired, sick and tired of both men, both men wanting to win, win, win. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it starts off with them pulling each other off, breaking up pins, and then Taker just flat out nails Kane. And yeah. they go at it, like, so, you know. So, you know, again, we get Taker and Kane part... 556 million and Jim Ross is like we never got a real winner between these two now yeah, memory serves Undertaker Kane, Kane pretty much lost twice in a row yeah. to the Undertaker that is what happened clean yes that is exactly <laughs> what happened again but whose side is he on Adam oh god yeah but no, they probably go at us and they knock each other out and it kind of it seems like it's Austin's kind of final hope spot mm. kind of tries to get up Seems like there's a little bit of miscommunication because it's like they do like a bit of a move and then Kane hits a scoop slam and stops the comeback. Yeah, it was an amazing comeback as well, and then it just sort of gets put out straight away. Scoop slam, yeah. really? That like... was something we couldn't tell if it was part of the story or if it was real. In the terms of they really aren't working together, there's no communication between Kane and the Undertaker. Yeah, and I don't know if that's kayfabe it, or not. It, it could well be story, couldn't it? You know, it do, it does know because the ending sequence here comes. Austin is meant to go for this. It's like Austin's meant to go for the stunner, Kane's meant to go into the tombstone, then Undertaker's meant to go on the top rope to tease the spike tombstone, which yeah. they've been doing on people. But like Kane goes for the tombstone, he stops, then Austin goes for it again, and then like by the time Austin gets up, Undertaker is like on the top rope too late, yeah, and it's, it's like really they, they kind of improvise. We get a double choke slam, and unfortunately, because of that bungle sequence, it's the crowd's a little bit dead. Yeah, no one reacts to the end. Uh, Austin gets pinned simultaneously by Undertaker and Kane, so Howard Finkel is like. The winner of this bout and new World Wrestling Federation champion. Who is the champion? Austin has lost the title, but who is the champion? <laughs> Finn can't top of things again. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> so yeah, we're all kind of like sitting around, kind of confused because both men like. I, I mean, it's it's kind of silly. I mean, if you do two men pinning each other at the same time, and it's like if they're in a German suplex or a move where they both pin each other, but they both kind of do that like dreamboat Damien Sandow pin yeah, where they're, they're like just lying down, hey guys, and they don't notice each other. It's like well, yeah. this is how I always pin. What are you on about? Like, so yeah, McMahon runs out, grabs the belt, and runs away, and. Jim Ross is like, we don't know what's going on, what's happening, folks? And Austin runs backstage, and Vince McMahon is... You don't have it anymore! You don't have it anymore! It's mine! It's mine! It's mine! <laughs> the most bold middle finger I've ever seen. The <laughs> hatred in that one finger. I love, That is one of my favourite images ever. Like, Austin is looking helplessly at McMahon, and he's got the smoking skull belt. Well, it was cool, because it's like the first time in ages on pay-per-view we've had McMahon win, and, yes. you know, beat Austin, and, you know, be like, you know, celebrating, and I got away with it, and then he rides off in his car. And actually, when you think about it in the end... McMahon didn't care about Undertaker or Kane winning, he just wanted Austin to not well, be champion. Well, it was champion. a means to an end, wasn't it? So, Undertaker and Kane? the master plan technically worked. Next night on Raw, Vince has the uh, championship presentation ceremony where he brings back the old big wing belt, which yeah. you, know, you and I are so fond of. The big eagle. We don't, yeah, we don't see the uh, the smoking skull belt for until after WrestleMania, so we won't see that for a long time. It comes time. back. It I, comes oh, back. I thought that was its only run. No, but... no, it comes back later and they yeah. tie back this story, but it's awesome because the next night in Raw is that famous, it's the championship presentation ceremony where Vince is in the ring with all the security uh, Undertaker and Kane are there with the little podium, and then Austin comes oh, out the, the Zamboni. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you seen that? Have you yeah, seen I've the seen that. It's in the fucking. It's in the compilation. Awesome. I think it's an OMG moment. Yeah. The Zamboni. Where Austin like 
like runs over the live pay per view feed, like yeah, and the spot which Raven would try and rip off later on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. More on that later, but yeah, I just thought we mentioned that because that is like for me, that's like that's one of the best moments in Raw history. Yeah, we're in the moment in Raw now where it's basically like. I think how they wrote Raw was that Vince Russo looked into into his big... It's like, it's like a child's fever dream. Yeah, I was saying, like, Vince Russo basically gets his big red bucket full of Hot Wheels, rummages around, picks out a vehicle, and is like, okay, this week Austin is in a cement truck. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Or this week Austin is in a limousine that is also a monster truck. <laughs> I didn't make that up, that happens. <laughs> so there we go, guys. That is it. That is Breakdown 1998. I've enjoyed that a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, that was yeah. a really good pay per view. I watched this pay per view in an airport in Barcelona where it was 40 degrees. I didn't think I would enjoy it, but no, it was uh, a lot of fun, I have to say. Only thing left to do now is ask you, gentlemen, for Match of the Night and MVP. Adam, Match of the Night. Cage Triple Threat Match, the Shamrock, Mankind and Rock Match, mm-hmm. definitely. I, I enjoyed most of the matches on the card really, I can't really think of any I had massive issues. Rock <coughs> Mero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're just pretending it didn't happen, is that? Yeah, I just don't want to talk about it's it. The director's cut. Um, <laughs> Adam is going to digitally remaster all of the Attitude Era podcast pay per views so that like there'll be no Mark Merrill but loads of Dubacks. No Tennessee lead. <laughs> <laughs> Digital technology. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the case triple threat match. That match was really yeah, fucking awesome. Definitely. All three of the guys were brilliant in it. Yeah. Shamrock took a sick chair to the head. Big yeah. Boy took a sick fall off the top of the cage. And Rock was absolutely electric in it, so... MVP! It's a hard night to pick Now, this is a tough one, because... You know, I can't honestly say Mick, because, you know, the dedication and to putting his body through that, but then I also think, I don't want to see him do that anymore. Mm. I, I want Mick to slow down a little bit. Maybe if you give it to someone else, he'll learn his lesson. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he'll learn his lesson, and then next month he won't do anything. Well, I'm going to give it to The Rock, then, because this is me getting all excited about The Rock. Definitely, Really yeah. getting big now. This is the start of something really cool with The Rock, so yeah. I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to seeing him on the next pay-per-view, and he's my MVP. Sweet. Billy, match of the night. Um, going with Adam, it's the uh, triple threat cage match. It was an awesome match considering it was put right together match. last minute. Yeah, great right match. You um, know, and sight better than the main event. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think the main event suffered from the fact that it was the second triple threat match. Yeah, it was good. The main event, but it was nothing no, it was amazing. good. Wasn't Again, spectacular. there were some things working against it. I, I have to say though, for the main event had two things that it didn't irk me about. It. The main event wasn't overly long. It was only around ten or fifteen minutes long, yeah. so it didn't overstay its welcome. And just the ending with Vince, just kind yeah. of yeah, I forgave cool everything. Yeah, uh, MVP for the night. Now, MVP. I'm kind of torn between two people so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say who my MVP is and I'm going to give a special mention okay okay um, so MVP for tonight is The Rock okay um, loving The Rock yeah I'm absolutely loving it and, and as you know from listening to the previous six episodes I've not been that big a fan of The Rock yeah um, now I'm really seeing it really really like The Rock now because well, he's not Good. being a chicken shit he's being awesome yeah. he's being The Rock yeah. yeah yeah and my special mention goes to Dustin Runnels yeah um, was that a sympathy vote no no no, no. G- general great performance from him no know? it was a cool actually yeah we spent so much time talking about the build up to it though. we didn't really say in that match he was really good wasn't he I, Dustin I, he's a great wrestler he's a great wrestler everything that Dustin was going through his know? facial expressions his were, facial yeah. expressions you know you could during the match you could see him being you know angry but at the same time he doesn't want to go too mental because it's against his yeah. beliefs he you felt, know, he to looked, be, Frustration is the thing. He he looked helpless. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So special mention to Dustin Runnels. Awesome, cool. Kevin, MVP and match of the night. Match of the night. I'm going to go with the opener. I have to say, Um, Edge and Own Heart. Um, 
I think it's just nice. Own anytime he gets a singles match, it's great. This match was fucking brilliant. Own like he made Edge look like a million dollars in this. You yeah. know, he did a real good job of like making Edge look like a serious player. Own was kind of like almost like Chris Jericho in the sense that you know, like he can make guys look good. Own could probably lose a million matches, you know, and and still you know have his heat. But you know, he 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 won this one obviously. But I think he he did a fucking stellar job. So I think this match was really good, really fast paced. Yeah, like just the kind of. The kind of action which we don't necessarily associate with like 1998 WWF, and the fact that it's the first match on the night as well, yeah, really sets everyone up. Now, fair fucks to WWF is like kind of going right. We're in Canada. Let's give them two Canadians and let's let them, you know, give them. A, they have a long amount of time for this. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is modern day WWE. They get like you know three minutes or something yeah. like that, and it'd be know? on the website and not on the actual pay per view. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have to say as well, then my MVP. I'm not going to rock the boat. It's it's easily the Rock. Yeah, uh, you know, everyone else like no one else step their game up so to speak maybe I'm not saying you know for Austin he was still awesome but like you know he was awesome the previous one and the previous one but yeah. the rock, there was a noticeable jump from like definitely yeah like SummerSlam is kind of like to go from SummerSlam and have possibly the biggest loss of your career you know to lose to Triple H in a huge match in Madison Square Garden mm. and to come back the next month to be like the guy yeah I have to say that's fucking impressive so yes not a lot of people can do that not Definitely a lot of people can not. do that and The Rock will continue to electrify us over the next coming months on the podcast I'm really excited to see more from The Rock same man definitely and that is going to do it for us on the Attitude Era podcast if you've not done so already make sure to go over and subscribe to us on iTunes and people are like oh hey how can we help out the Attitude Era podcast because we like you guys blah, 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 blah. leave a rating or a review or tell a friend the best way to help and support the show you can also follow us on Twitter at AE Podcast and go over to Facebook and like us on facebook.com forward slash the Attitude Era podcast and don't forget as well you can listen to us on Stitcher SoundCloud and on iTunes and you can also find us now we're happy to say on botchamania.com god we are everywhere aren't we we're like we're like some sort we're like cum we're everywhere (laughs) (laughs) come on then we have become popular we has become popular uh, also, we never mentioned this before, but we actually do some videos as well. Uh, we're taking highlight packages, you know, our favourite bits from the podcast, and making little videos there. There's a few up. You can like us over on youtube.com forward slash AE podcast. If you have any uh, suggestions about parts of the show you'd like us to you know, delve into and make a video of, we have all the footage. Let us know. We're all ears. Yeah, we're all please. ears, guys. Definitely. So, yeah, that's going to do it for me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll see you next time on the Attitude Era podcast. It'll be Unforgiven. No, it won't. It'll be judgment day. You keep making this mistake. Oh, fucking biblical. We will be at the pay-per-view where Freddie Bassey is like, like the mystic figures of the revolution. <laughs> the prophecy. <laughs> it, it, what is it? Judgment, judgment, it's judgment, judgment day. Judgment day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.